something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Thursday, June 18th. I'm Oscar Ramirez from the Daily Dive podcast in Los Angeles, and this is Reopening America. We have shifted into a new phase in the coronavirus pandemic. We're social distancing, washing our hands, wearing face masks, and we're reopening the country. I'll still give you updates on any new information about the virus and vaccine development, but I'll also be focusing on how we're reopening America. As we continue to reopen the country, many eyes will be on Europe as they begin to roll out contact tracing apps across various countries there. Germany just became the latest to release their app, but its effectiveness will depend on how many people actually download and use it. Bojan Panchevsky, Germany correspondent for the Wall Street Journal, joins us for how the apps work and privacy concerns. Thanks for joining us, Bojan. Hey, good to be here. wanted to talk about some of the contact tracing apps that have launched across Europe. Here in the United States, we're expecting to do something very similar. I think a lot of states are working on their own apps, so it's going to be pretty crazy if we have 50 different apps trying to track people. But we'll have to see how that all rolls out. We're kind of in the early stages still. They're finalizing some of it, but none of them have really been released just yet. So there in Europe, there are already a few that have been released. Germany became the largest Western country to launch their contact tracing smartphone app. Tell us a little bit about that one. Here, European countries, each of them are doing their own apps, which are not necessarily compatible with each other, not always. And because Europe is tightly integrated, it's not one country like the United States, but people travel across for work, for everything intensely. So I think it will be a similar dilemma for the authorities when they have a bunch of different apps. Now, the thing with the German app is that obviously Germany is, is the most populous country smack in the middle of the continent. And it has waited uh, fairly long to release the app because there are huge privacy concerns in this country. People are very much concerned about data privacy. So the original proposal from the government had to be amended many times in order to sort of comply with these very strict data privacy recommendations. They launched it yesterday. And amazingly, since yesterday, they've had around over 6 million downloads, 6.5 million, I think. 
until this evening in a country of 83 million. That is pretty good, actually, because the French app was launched on June the 2nd, two weeks ago, and it's only had 1.7 million downloads in those two weeks. So the Germans seem to be eager to download the app and use it. And we're about to see if the app becomes useful because these apps really get useful when a lot of people use them and therefore their effect is amplified. That's the important thing is it needs widespread adoption to be effective. Experts were estimating that 60% of a country's population would need to use the app for it to be effective in preventing some type of second wave or something. And the use of the app there in Germany specifically is voluntary. I guess some numbers coming out from people talking about it, they said 41% of Germans have been willing to download it, while 46% said they wouldn't use it. So, I mean, right away, that's going to be a big hurdle to overcome. And similarly, in the United States, I know there's a lot of privacy-minded people in the United States that are already saying the same thing. I don't want to download an app. I don't want people to track me. In the United States, basically, consumers don't mind giving their data to private companies like Google, Facebook, or Twitter, or whatever. But they are wary of giving their data to the government. Whereas in Europe, it's kind of both. People don't like giving their data to anyone. However, you know, what you said is true. About 46% of Germans said in a survey that they would not download the app. Now, it remains to be seen. But... However, the 60% of penetration that's required for the app to basically stop the spread of the epidemic, that is a figure that's only valid if all other measures are not really in place. And the other measures include basically social distancing, heightened hygiene, and stuff like that. And these are things that people are actually doing. They're wearing masks here in Berlin, for example. You have to wear a mask if you go to a supermarket. You have to wear a mask if you use the public transport system. So you've got all sorts of measures that are already in place and people have changed their behavior. So these figures have to be taken with a pinch of salt. I spoke to an epidemiologist here in Germany who told me that actually if people would wash their hands regularly and wear masks when they're supposed to wear them and keep social distancing in public as much as they could and so on, then only 20% of people would need to actually download the app in order for the app to make a huge impact on curbing the contagion. That's very interesting, too, because as you mentioned, a lot of people are getting used to doing those other things. So hopefully at least a moderate adoption of the app would help a lot. Tell us how the app works. It connects using Bluetooth with other phones. If you're sitting next to somebody For longer than 15 minutes, it connects those phones. So later on, if there's an outbreak, it knows you were with that person. Tell us how it works. Basically, this is how the German app works. There are different type of apps, different type of technologies. You know, some apps are actually using GPS data, for example, in Asia, and that would be considered intrusive in this country so that they couldn't use that. Essentially, they use the Bluetooth technology, which is this kind of wireless technology this wireless system that you can switch on on your mobile. If you have an iPhone or a Samsung or whatever you have, they all have the option to switch on the Bluetooth connection. And once you switch it on and you have the app downloaded and you have the app on, then the app is sort of sending a Bluetooth signal around you. And anyone else with an app will receive that signal if they're using the app. So if your two phones are in proximity of each other, which is closer than two meters, we have the metric system, so that's two meters, 
And if you stay in that proximity for over 15 minutes, then the apps will sort of save each other's codes. With that Bluetooth signal goes a little code that the other mobile phone is recording. And then if you go back home and you do a coronavirus test and it turns out you're positive, then you have the option of entering your diagnose in the actual app. You can tell the app, oh God, I've, I've become infected. Then if you choose to do that, then the app will send out this signal through the internet this time to every other app that had been in your proximity and that had saved your code. So people will not know who you are because the code is anonymized. They will not know that this particular person got infected. Your identity will be kept secret, but they will have a little message pop up on their screen saying you had been exposed to someone who has now been confirmed to have the coronavirus. And then, of course, on the back of that, you can decide to do a test yourself or you can decide to change your behavior perhaps and stay at home for the next week or two until you're all clear so you don't infect anyone else. Obviously, it's up to the people to decide what they do. Nobody will actually force them and there is no sort of central record of these infections. So it, it's very much based on, on people doing the right thing. The technology works in a way that they claim they've adapted it so you don't get too many false alarms, you know, because, for example, the app needs to learn that if you're living in your apartment and then perhaps in the apartment next door, someone else is using the app. And you, if you if you sort of stand right next to the wall, you could actually come into that proximity and the app has ways of knowing that this is a person in another apartment so it doesn't trigger the alarm. It's going to be interesting to see the rollout and how quickly people adopt to us. I know people in the United States are keeping a close eye on it. Like I said, we're getting ready to roll these same types of apps out. So all eyes are going to be on Europe and just see how it goes to see if it's something that people are going to adopt here in the United States. Boyan Panchevsky, Germany correspondent at the Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this is Reopening America. Don't forget that for today's big news stories, you can check me out on the Daily Dive podcast every Monday through Friday. So follow us on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcast. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far, 
I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.